Okay, you can be seated. If you'd like to turn, if you turn in a Bible, uh, you can turn to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read through those same verses that Pastor Dale read this morning, Matthew 6, 25 through 34. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life, as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Let's ask the Lord for help. Lord God Almighty, Father, we humbly come before you this morning, Lord. We acknowledge that you are the one true God, the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the one and true potentate of heaven. And Lord, you hold all things. You are the sovereign one. You are in control of everything that takes place, will take place, or has taken place. And Father, you tell us not to worry. Lord, we confess our failures, Lord, at obeying this clear command of Scripture. That we often lie prey to worry in our hearts and our minds. Lord, we ask that today your spirit through the word would work within our hearts. Cause us to turn away from worry to trusting you, our Heavenly Father. Lord, if there are any here in our midst this morning who have yet to come to saving faith, Lord, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. And Lord, that you would give us all listening ears hearts that are eager to go forth and do your word. We ask you for help, Lord. In your name, amen. <clears throat> you may be familiar with the song that came out in 1988 by Bobby McFerrin. The song is called, Don't Worry, Be Happy. 
And this was a huge success. In addition to achieving gold status in the U.S., it actually won approximately three Grammy Awards in 1989 for Best Male Pop Vocal Performance, Record of the Year, and Song of the Year. It was not only a monumental hit in the United States, but it also reached number one in five different countries. And overall, it charted in nearly 20 nations. And in most cases, it made it to the very top 10 list. This is all according to songmeaningsandfacts.com. So you can check, check it out for yourself. Don't worry, be happy. It starts, here's a little song I wrote. You might want to sing it note for note. Don't worry, be happy. And although this song was extremely catchy and very well performed, as a matter of fact, the artist used no instruments other than his voice. It was completely a cappella. But I believe that its success was also greatly influenced by how relatable it is to all of us. We all are tempted to worry in this life, every one of us, even though we would all agree that worry does not solve our problems. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, we are capable to live in this fallen world, in this fallen and sinful world, without worry. Through the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, we're able to live worry-free lives. As a matter of fact, in the New American Standard Bible in the 1995 translation, this section is entitled, The Cure for Anxiety. That ought to catch our attention. So, we need to think about worry this morning. As you're reading through the scriptures, every once in a while you come across a section of scripture, a passage that is so straightforward that really it just explains itself. And as a minister of God's word, I think the best thing we can do is just really relate what it says. Just open it up and explain it and let it, let it do its work in our hearts. Well, that's clearly this section of scripture this morning that we're looking at. The overarching message this morning is very clear. Do not worry. However, if we're being honest with ourselves, this is much easier said than done. If we were to look at worry and uh, the resistance of worry from a sheerly pragmatic standpoint, worrying is not beneficial. We would all agree. It wastes our time. It promotes paralysis, even a paralysis analysis of the future. It gets in the way of our daily responsibilities. It just is a major distraction. It causes us to be unfruitful, unproductive. The man whose mind is preoccupied with worry has often lulled himself into a state of idleness. One could argue that man was not created to worry, but rather he was created to work. He was created to glorify God. I'd like to take some time in, in attempting to define worry. I think we're all familiar with it, but let's, let's see what this word means. 
I came across something this week that I, I never knew. Uh, in, the English term for worry is actually derived from an old German word that means to choke or to strangle. And I thought that was very interesting. Worry, I guess, in a sense, is like strangulation of the mind and the emotions that means to choke out our joy and our peace. We can also define worry by defining what is opposite to worry, and that being contentment. Our contentment is found in God, in trusting in His love, in trusting in His power, and in His provision for us. But when we worry, we are outwardly manifesting a deeper-seated issue of mistrust of the Lord. As a matter of fact, James Montgomery Boyce says this, the chief reason we are so preoccupied with our possessions and acquiring more of them is that we worry about the future and do not trust God to care for us. I think that's very insightful. Finally, worry always focuses on something beyond today. It is the fear that something may go wrong tomorrow, that something may happen next week, next month, next year, ten years from now. This always places the problem just out of reach. We can't jump in a DeLorean and travel into the future to deal with the issues that are troubling our mind that are strangling out our emotions and our thinking in the very present. But what can we do? What can we do with worry? Let's look at Matthew chapter 6 again in verse 25. Jesus says, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food, the body more than clothing? Notice how the Lord Jesus opens this command by saying, for this reason. This means that he is arguing from what he just stated in the previous verses. And his argument was that if you are a follower of God, that Jesus, that the Lord God is your only master. You cannot serve two masters, God and wealth. Jesus, the Lord God, is your only master. Friends, if your faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, He is your only master. And therefore, do not be worried about your life. Be concerned with your master and what He requires of your life. The word life here encompasses the whole person, the entire person. This is to say, do not be worried about any aspect of life. There is no part of life that should bring about anxiety or worry. Do not worry about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. 
It's interesting to consider the time period for which Jesus was stating these things. I mean, this was a period of time without McDonald's, without Chipotle, without Starbucks, without American Eagle, Old Navy, or even Walmart. There was no GE, there was no East Ohio Gas Company, no Frigidaire, no Whirlpool, no KitchenAids. This was a time in history, think about it, where acquiring food and clothing would have entailed a considerable amount of time and effort. And yet, our Lord speaks to us, and he says these words, do not be worried about your life. In verse 25, he says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? It's challenging to consider life without the body. We often are tempted to believe that life is associated with the body as if we gain our life from our bodies. However, the Scripture teaches us that life does not come from the body, right? God formed man out of the dust of the ground, and after he formed the man, the man had no life until he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Jesus explains that life is more than food, and that the body is more than clothing. In other words, life is more than simply about caring for your physical needs. God is the source of life, and therefore the life of the man should consist of enjoying and glorifying God. And we're going to focus on, on three things this morning from this passage. Three truths, three truths to trust in that render worry worthless. Three truths to trust in that render worry worthless. First, your heavenly Father loves you. Several months ago, I was meeting with a a close friend of mine, and we were sitting on his porch, and we were talking about the Lord. We were praying together, and I couldn't help but notice in his bush that there was a little nest. And as we were talking, I'm watching this bird flying out of the bush and back into the bush, and out of the bush and back into the bush. And I look in the nest, and he says, yeah, there's, there's little chicks in there. So I'm watching Matthew chapter 6, verse 26, in action. This bird flies off, and then he perches back on a branch with a worm in his mouth, and he drops it in. Then he flies off again. And wasn't long, he's back again. Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns. And yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. And then he asks this question. Are you not worth much more than they? When you're tempted to worry, Jesus says, Look at the birds. Look at the birds. We could do that right now. Look out those windows. I bet you'll find a bird flying around. Think about it. They have far less than we do. 
They have no ability to produce food for themselves. They don't sow seeds in the ground. They don't wait for a harvest. They have no place to store their food. Now, there's many other creatures that God created that store food, but the birds are not one of them. It's also important to consider that the birds are not sitting still waiting for God to feed them. The birds were created by God to hunt for food. So the birds are using everything that God gave them to look for food, to hunt for food, and God makes sure that they find it. Well, this is a good lesson for us, right? In like fashion, we also must utilize what we were created for. God gave us many skills, many gifts, many abilities, and we are to make sure that we put those things to practice, and therefore God will take care of us in those same ways. And this is the simple message from this passage. Jesus says, look at the birds, and he says, are you not worth much more than they? Your heavenly Father loves you more than the birds. This is a simple message, isn't it? And yet, he feeds the birds every day. We don't have to worry because our Heavenly Father loves us. Look at Matthew six twenty-seven, And who of you being worried can add a single hour to his life? The Scripture teaches us in Hebrews nine twenty-seven that insomuch as it is appointed for a man once to die, and then comes the judgment. Jesus asked this question. Who of you being worried can add a single hour to his life? We notice that these questions that he's asking are rhetorical questions. The answer for a rhetorical question is either obvious or there is no answer. Like, you know, who, who can know, right? But you're not expected to answer the question. Here we see that the answer is very obvious, right? None of us can. None of us can. You can't worry yourself into a longer life. Worry is not going to cause you to live even a second longer than God has already determined. All of our days are numbered. Our lifespan cannot be altered. There's nothing we can do. We will not live beyond what God has given. And our Heavenly Father loves us. And as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we do not have to worry about the day of death. As a matter of fact, the beauty of living the Christian life and having faith in Christ is that there is no sting in death. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, 55 through 58 says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, 
knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord, right? We don't have to fear death. We don't have to try to extend our lives. Now, I'm not saying that we should live haphazard lives, not take care of ourselves. I think eating healthy, exercise, abstaining from addictive behavior, these are all beneficial things that will enhance our life, but will not add a single day to it. Worry, however, will not enhance or extend our lives. As we keep reading in Matthew 6, 28 through 30, And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. Think about that. He says, you of little faith. Here's another comparison. The grass of the field is being compared to the follower of Christ. The grass of the field is clothed by our Heavenly Father in more splendid array than even King Solomon when he was at his height. The richest king who will ever live was not clothed like one of these. Think about what Jesus is saying. The grass is here today, but tomorrow is thrown into the fire. And it was true that at that time period, if you were to make bread, that you had to gather sticks and wood, but also grass, flowers that may have withered to start a fire. He says, the grass is here today. Tomorrow it's thrown into the furnace. And yet, your heavenly Father clothes them. He takes the time and the effort, the consideration to clothe the grass of the field. And he says, are you not worth much more? That's the question, right, that we ask ourselves. Guys, this is boiling down to trusting in the love of God for us. Many people that were hearing Jesus speak these words would no doubt have, have very few articles of clothing, potentially maybe just one. We, on the other hand, have more than enough clothing. We have more than enough food. And we often lie prey to the temptation to covet more expensive clothing, more food, I believe that this really just feeds into the sinful pride of life. 1 Timothy 6.8 says if we have food and clothing or food and covering with these, we shall be content. Again, contentment is opposite of, of worry. And if you have food and covering, that you should be content we think about the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And within that prayer, what does he say? Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. That each day we would be reminded of our dependence upon the Almighty God. 
Our Heavenly Father loves us more than the grass of the field. This is the message for us. He loves us more than the birds of the air. Therefore, do not worry about your life. The question for us is, are we trusting? Are we trusting in the Father's love? If you are bound by worry, ask yourself that question. Are you trusting that your heavenly Father loves you? Three truths to trust in that render worry worthless. First, your heavenly Father loves you. Secondly, your heavenly Father knows what you need. He knows what you need. Verse 31 through 33. Do not worry then saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things, but seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. In this section, Jesus is juxtaposing the children of God with the Gentiles. And this is very interesting if we follow this argument. Let's consider that a Gentile was a pagan. He was potentially an atheist. He was an unbeliever. And this is how the unbeliever lives. This is how the atheist may live. Going around saying, what shall we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear for clothing? The Gentile eagerly seeks after these things in life. As a matter of fact, the Greek philosopher Epicurus advocated a life to the fullest, stating that the path to true happiness is the path on pursuit of pleasure. The idiom, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we may die, is often ascribed to that Epicurean philosophy. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul mentions this philosophy in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, and he concurs that if the dead are not raised to fullness of life, if there is no resurrection and that there is no hope, then we all ought to follow in that Gentile way. He says in 1 Corinthians 15, 32, if from human motives I fought with wild beasts at Ephesus, What does it profit me? In other words, as he was ministering the gospel, he was in very dangerous situations many times. He says, what would it profit me to do this? If the dead are not raised, let us eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. As a matter of fact, in Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21, this is uh, the same section that we would find Matthew six twenty-five through 34 in. In Luke chapter 12, someone says in the crowd to Jesus in verse 13, Teacher, tell my brothers to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, 
Who appointed me a judge or arbiter over you? Then he said to them, Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed, for not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. Jesus would go on to explain this parable. And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns, and I will build larger ones. And there I will store all of my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease. Eat. Drink and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your soul is required of you. And now, who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Well, this is a very telling parable. Living like the Gentile, going around worrying about what you will eat and drink and wear for clothing. This is like this man who God says is the fool, and he stores up no treasure for himself in heaven. He is not eternally minded. All he can think about is going out to eat, and buying more clothes. Let's eat, drink, and be merry. Think about your life. Where is the focus of your life? A good meal we can enjoy as given from the hand of God, but we don't want life to be about food. Clothing, it's a blessing. It's wonderful. I'm thankful for it. (laughs) But we don't want our life to be about our clothing and the things that we wear. If that becomes our identity, then we are just like this man in this parable. And we are living for today. This man did not consider heaven. He did not consider that he was created in the image of God and therefore to subject all of his life to the Lord. Worry is akin to paganism. Worry is akin to atheism. It's akin to unbelief. Notice the the drastic contrast here between the Gentile and the child of God. The child of God trusts that his heavenly Father knows what he needs. He is trusting that the Lord loves him and will care for his needs. The Gentile has no hope in God. He has no hope in a God to care for him, to look after him, to have compassion on him. He has no inheritance in eternity. The unbeliever has no God who they can trust to take care of their physical needs. But friends, we have a God that we can trust. We have a God that knows everything that we need. 
He knows better than us. And any time we are tempted to worry, we need to remind ourselves of that. The Gentile lives under this philosophy, carpe diem. That's a Latin term that means pluck the day, seize the day, for tomorrow we die. Live your life for the most pleasure, the most possessions, the most earthly wealth that you can possibly store up for yourself. Jesus said, this man was a fool. If we look at Matthew 6.33, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all of these things will be added to you. Notice, all these things is mentioned three times. Jesus tells us here that we don't have to seek after all these things in life. Your life does not consist of the abundance of your possessions. As a matter of fact, I think we need to consider the rich young ruler. Why didn't he follow Christ? Why did he go away sad? This was a very eager man who ran up to Jesus and said, Good Master, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus explained to him that he had to be willing to forsake his life. There is a a great cost in following the Lord Jesus Christ. The man said that he had followed the Lord's commandments from his youth. And Jesus said, one thing you lack, go and sell all that you have and give to the poor and come follow me and you will have treasure in heaven. But this man went away sad. Why? Because he had great possessions. Here's the thing. Everything that he owned actually owned him. We want to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and trust that on that pursuit, everything that we need will be given to us from the Lord. Are you trusting that your Heavenly Father knows what you need, or are you questioning that? When we are tempted to worry in this life, we're tempted to worry in this world, we often are not thinking about God's love for us, and how much He cares for us. How much He knows about our life and what we need. As a matter of fact, the Bible teaches us that God is working all things together for the good for those who love Him to make them more like His Son. If we believe that, then we have to say to ourselves, what I have right now, today, this very moment, is what I need to be like Christ. God is working everything together for good. Three truths to trust in to render worry worthless. Your Heavenly Father loves you. Your Heavenly Father knows what you need. And thirdly, your Heavenly Father will take care of tomorrow. Look at Matthew 6, 34. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Here is the Lord commanding for the third time in this passage, do not worry. 
But now he's focusing on the day that never comes. Tomorrow. As I stated at the onset of the teaching, worry is always future-oriented. It's always this concern that something may go wrong in the future where we can't deal with it. But friends, this third truth is very powerful. You have a heavenly Father that is eternal. He knows the end from the beginning. He says tomorrow will care for itself. Now what do I do when I start worrying about tomorrow? I tap into the troubles of tomorrow and I grab them and I bring them back and I add them to the troubles of today. Now I have double trouble, right? I have more trouble today than if I would have just focused on today. And this is the most powerful message, I believe, that's going to keep us from that temptation to worry. Tomorrow is God's realm. Tomorrow is His jurisdiction. Tomorrow is the Lord's. Now, what I'm not saying here, and I don't believe this is what Jesus is saying, is don't even think about it. Don't prepare, right? I think that's foolish. If that were true, then the man would never sow. He would just run around and scavenge. Right? He wouldn't think about tomorrow. He wouldn't be prepared for it. But what does he say? Don't worry. Don't worry about tomorrow. Why? Tomorrow will worry for itself. Tomorrow will take care of itself when tomorrow becomes today. Today. We have to trust that Jesus will care for tomorrow when it comes. This reminds me of these two spheres of life that are often described to people who are, are gripped with worry or anxiety or fear. The first sphere of life, think of it as a, kind of this inner circle of life, not the circle of life, but the inner circle of life, that is filled with the things that you're in control over. And those are the things that you're responsible for. And that's a big part of our life, right? But that's not the only part of it. There's another sphere of life, right? Maybe we can call it the outer sphere of life. And in that sphere, it's filled with all the things that we don't have control over. All the things that we're concerned about and are often tempted to worry about. The second sphere contains all those things. And that's usually where our mind gets stuck, right? Remember, what does that word worry mean? To choke out and to strangle. And when we worry about that outer sphere, those things that we don't have control over, that might take place sometime in the future or might not take place sometime in the future, we're choking ourselves out. We're choking ourselves out of the joy and the peace and the ability to deal with the things for today. For today. We must 
entrust tomorrow to God. The bottom line of worry, if we look at this passage, there's three things that God commands. Do not worry. Do not worry. Do not worry. What is worry? Worry is sin. Worry is sin. Worry is the sin of not trusting God. Worry is the sin of not taking Him at His word. Not trusting that the Lord is good or that He loves you or that He knows what you need or that He is in control or that He knows what is best for you. The child of God who has come to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, He trusts in the Lord. He sees worry as worthless because it is offensive to His heavenly Father who promises to care for all His needs. Think about what He says. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And yet, not one of them falls to the ground apart from the knowledge of your Father. Even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Right? Matthew six thirty four. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. We would all say, Amen to that, right? Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus gives us one of the most practical weapons against worry. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I can't jump into tomorrow. I can't travel down the, down the road ahead of time to deal with things that may come to be that I'm concerned or worried about. I already have enough trouble today. How do I overcome worry? Well, I get busy taking care of the things that I need to take care of today. Now, what circle is that? That's that inner circle of your responsibilities. God tells you what He requires of you. And oftentimes, if I just lift my mind off of the worry of tomorrow and I focus on dealing with what I do have control over today... All of a sudden, the worry is lifted. Why? Because I'm doing what God made me to do. He made me to work. He made me to glorify God. He made me to take responsibility for the things that He commanded of me. I should say to myself, I already have enough trouble today. I don't need to worry about tomorrow, right? So what do you do? You get busy. You get busy taking care of the trouble of today. This is the first step, right? We get busy. We think about, well, what can I do about it today? Make the worry a concern, right? I can be concerned about something. That's fine. But I don't want to be gripped by it. I don't want to be choked out by it. Your worry can eclipse God almost entirely as if He doesn't exist, right? And that's what we see in the Gentile life. They're living as if there is no God. Living 
in the futility of their minds. But that's not how we should live. We know that we have a Heavenly Father who loves us, and He knows what we need. He is the God that is in control of tomorrow, today, yesterday, and forevermore. And He says, He holds you in His hand, and no one can pluck you out. How do we respond to the things that God made us responsible for? The things of today, this is what we do. We respond with that inner circle of responsibilities with obedience to God. What do we do with the outer circle that we can't control, that we're concerned about, that may or may not take place? We entrust them to God. Inner circle, responsibilities, we obey God and we do them. We work on the things that each day brings. We pray. We study God's Word. We work hard with our hands. We mind our own business. We fix the leaky faucet. We go to work and work hard. We look for a job like it's our job if we don't have a job. We schedule the doctor appointment to address the health concerns that we have. We seek reconciliation. We forgive. We call that person, etc., etc., etc. And guess what happens to worry? It goes away. Why? Because we're doing what God commands us to do. He didn't create us to be worry warts. <laughs> That's not what we're called in Scripture. We are created to glorify God and to do His will. Three truths that render worry worthless. We must believe them. We must trust them. Your Heavenly Father loves you. Your Heavenly Father knows what you need. And your Heavenly Father will take care of tomorrow. Bobby McFerrin, he says this, In every life we have some trouble, but when you worry, you make it double. Don't worry. Be happy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for this very simple but clear message from Scripture. For we are not to worry. If you are our Heavenly Father, Lord, then there is no need to worry. There is no need to be anxious. We can pray. We can talk to you. We can get busy doing the things, Lord, that we are responsible to do. All the while knowing, Lord, that you feed the birds, you clothe the grass, and we are more valuable to you than they. Worry does not add a single hour to our life. It's futile, it's foolish, it chokes us out. Lord, we don't need to be worried about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. Lord, I ask that you would help us, Lord. Help us to just embrace this teaching this morning and put it to practice, Lord. Help us to examine our hearts, asking ourselves these very same questions that Jesus asked then. That we would live our life in obedience to you, trusting you with the things we have no control over, and living our life Lord, in the light of Christ. We pray this in your name. Amen.